Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Marketing Live for Thursday, October 18th, 2018. I'm your host, Rob Zinkin. I serve as Associate Vice President for Marketing at Indiana University. And we are already well into the fall semester and with November just around the corner, that of course means it's time for AMA Higher Ed, the American Marketing Association Symposium for the Marketing of Higher Education, coming up November 4th through the 7th in Orlando this year. I'm looking forward to a preview of the conference today with a couple of conference committee members who I'll introduce in just a moment. But first, Marketing Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. You can be a part of our live broadcast today by sharing your thoughts or asking any questions of the guests. Just use the hashtag Higher Ed Live. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com. You can take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Listen on your commute or whenever you want. Next week on the Marketing Live, we'll have an episode that is a crash course in design thinking coming up on October 25th. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. And thanks also to the American Marketing Association for its partnership for today's broadcast. We hope that you're planning to attend the AMA Symposium for the Marketing of Higher Education in early November, just under three weeks away now. And we'll tweet out a link to all of the conference details and registration information. So it's a pleasure to welcome today's guests, a couple of members, as I said, of the AMA Higher Ed Conference Committee, Tony Pellucci and Brad Bolander. Great to see both of you gentlemen. See you too, Rob. Good to see you, Rob. Well, Tony, uh, we'll start with you, Vice President, Creative Director, and Senior Strategist at Vision Point Marketing. And that sounds like you've got a whole heck of a lot on your table, Tony. So give us a sense of what all that entails. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, there is a lot going on here, and I cover a lot of bases. My, my main focus over the past few years has been on Creative Direction. Wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'm Vice President and Creative Director, and at Vision Point, we're a full-service brand and marketing agency. We focus on higher education solely. Um, before coming here, I had my own agency down in Florida, a small boutique um, agency there, and we focused on um, consulting for the digital realm, user experience. And then before that, I started up the West Coast practice for Anderson. Back in the dot-com boom days, um, when we were figuring out how to do all this stuff, frankly, um, and had a wonderful experience out there. Um, and... Um, one of the things I think Rob, you had asked at one point, what you you know you wouldn't see on my my bio, um, and that's partly because my bio probably hasn't been updated in about ten years. <laughs> I'm horrible at that. I got way too much going on. I'll do it when I retire, I guess. Um, <clears throat> is that? Uh, and I mentioned this last year actually when when introducing Jamie Kasat, who was wonderful. He grew up in Hell's Kitchen. Um, I grew up in a place called Brockton, Massachusetts, which is um, south of Boston, a very tough town. You uh, saw Goodwill Hunting. You'll see how I grew up. Essentially, my my uh, my three brothers and I, four boys in our Irish Italian family, just grew up. You know, honestly, on the streets fighting uh, for for sport sometimes. And you know, when you're in that type of thing, it doesn't seem odd. But but afterward, getting out of it um, is uh, is is an eye opening experience. And what what afforded me that experience, frankly, was education, public school education. Uh, I went to public school my whole life. Um, had wonderful, wonderful mentors and teachers and professors. Went to uh, Massachusetts College of Art and Design, um, which is actually, I believe, it's still the only uh, freestanding public uh, art and design school in the country. We'll have to check on that. But um, 
you know, I, I, I realized firsthand the power of education, as, as cliche as that may sound. And I've got such a strong passion for it, such an appreciation for it. So many of my friends and I basically made it out of where we grew up because of people who uh, educated us and because of those schools and those systems. Um, and that's one of the big reasons why we made uh, higher education our focus at Vision Point. That's great. I can't think of a, a time where I've ever had a conversation with you and, and you have not exuded that, that passion for higher education. So that's terrific. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Brad, in his role at NC State as Associate Vice Chancellor for University Communications and serving as the university's Chief Communications Officer. And last time we chatted on Marketing Live, I think now it was about two and a half years ago. And I recall when I asked you the question that, that Tony just addressed and got into in terms of something from your background, not in your bio, that has influenced your, your career path, uh, your professional philosophy or whatever. And you talked about all the leaders that you have worked with over the course of your career, which, which I thought was a, a great, great perspective. And during that time, we also talked about your collaborative approach and the topic was centralized decentralization. So how about a brief update at NC State in terms of the progress that you've been making on that front? Well, thanks, Rob. I forgotten we had talked about that. I think the, the the first big factor in my career choice was actually calculus, which in college encouraged me to change my major into <laughs> something that I actually really enjoyed. But no, I've been fortunate to work for many wonderful leaders and work work with many wonderful people who have certainly influenced uh, my pathway here. And, and again, couldn't agree with Tony more about the transformative power of education. I think that's why, you know, the three of us and people who are going to be at this conference in three weeks, why we do what we do every day. So that's it's wonderful to be a part of. Uh, one of the things we'll be talking about in the conference uh, is branding, of course. That's, a, that's a, big, a big area of focus for this conference and for higher education marketing. And Based on your question, Rob, the uh, centralized decentralization, we've been able to really utilize the power of branding in a very research-oriented, collaborative way to build a lot of collaboration, both within marketing communications and in other areas across the institution. Really is a rallying point to get everybody focused on who we are, what we're about, and how we're moving forward. And it's been really fun and rewarding to see over the last six years at NC State, moving from a very decentralized way to approach communications to a way where this year we've actually developed a unified marketing communications plan across the institution. Uh, even though communicators are still rather decentralized in where they sit, we're working together much more as a team. And I think you're starting to see the impact for the institution as far as rankings and, and admits and recruiting the best faculty. So it's it's a great reminder again of of how we as marketers and communicators can really add to the impact and that transformative power of education in our states and you know, a much broader basis. Yeah, and I, and I have to give a shout out too, since Brad's been, been at uh, NC State, uh, Vision Point, our, our home office is here in Raleigh. We're right down the street and um, you can see all the work that's been done around here and you can see the perception shift. Not that, not that there's ever been a bad perception of NC State, but it's really taken over and that through uh, branding, you know, through, through that type of approach um, locally and then across the country has just been, it's been amazing to watch. So kudos, Brad, to you and your team because it's done amazing stuff. Thanks, Tony. And I think that, again, goes back to we've got a great leader who gets it. Mm -hmm. Leadership is so critical and we're yeah. fortunate to have a, 
a lot of great team members in house and a lot of great consulting team members of our organization included. So, yeah. Excellent, and I know we'll 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 get to hear a little bit more about that in terms of the implications and work that's that's led to your your large fundraising campaign and something you'll be talking about at the conference and. That, that gives us a good segue to talk about AMA Higher Ed and mention that both of you serve on the conference committee. And I guess I should add, I do as well now, but I'm, I'm a rookie member. You guys are the veterans. So I'm going to let you two do the heavy lifting as we, as we chat about all that's coming up here in early November and, and perhaps start with a little bit of background on the conference itself, maybe for those who, for some reason or another, don't know that AMA is the go-to event for higher education marketers. How did it become the, the go-to event for those of us who work in, in this sector? And Tony, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how it's actually gotten to that point in terms of a historical perspective. I've, I've obviously kept an eye on it over the years. It just seems to me to have always been the go-to um, conference. You know, we, we attend and speak at a good 12, 14 conferences a year um, in one way or another, and we call <clears throat> call the AMA uh, symposium the big show that's kind of our name for it here because it's it just brings all types of things uh, all the different types of people and subject matter across the board and it really you, know, you walk in and you feel it um, and I you know I, I give a ton of credit to the the people who served on the committee before us um, they, they did a great job in setting us up Brad and I this is our third year on the committee um, so learning from them and, and seeing all that it's nice that there's been a, a steady progression. I think, Brad, you'd agree over the years, too. There's always something every year where uh, the focus is on just continual improvement on it. I'd, I'd say that as a thread has to be one of the reasons why it's uh, performed so well and, and puts such a good uh, effort forth every year. And Brad, in terms of the, the conference programming and, and how you found it valuable over the years, I, I think there's been an alignment as higher ed marketing has become more strategic, played a more influential role in the academy, to see that reflected obviously in the in the way the conference has been increasingly important in, in recent years as well. Absolutely. It, you know, I'm thinking of six, seven years ago when I first started attending the conference, it was very educational and informative to me, you know, getting into this whole branding area and marketing area. I'm a PR guy in background, so being able to learn those lessons and, and just as importantly make those contacts with people at the conference with them. I think a powerful experience. Uh, this, I believe, is the 29th year of this conference. And so they were doing this symposium back when most institutions weren't thinking about marketing. So it really has grown into that largest, I think, most impactful marketing communications conference. To Tony's point, I think we've always had and continue to recruit. We'll have a, a committee of higher education professionals leading this for people like myself who have spent the last 20 years on university campuses and people like Tony who have dedicated their careers to helping higher education succeed. And it's a it, it's a conference where we want to make sure that there's something for everybody. If you're a first year person in the industry or you've been around for 20, 25 years, you're going to take something away from this conference, and we're gonna talk about the good and the bad. So we have a, a group of people who are passionate about education, and, and I think that's really reflected in the programming that you see and, and the impact that it has in our industry. That's great, and as we look at the, the robust agenda for this year, and you guys can maybe give us a little inside peek in terms of the, the planning process and what goes into it, but I know a big role 
and having been involved for the first time this year is all the all the work that goes into the the program itself and scheduling and so the role that you played in in essentially helping to plan one of the tracks give us a preview if you will of what to expect and, and perhaps some of the key issues that you hope are addressed and, and and that attendees will walk away with in looking at the tracks that you you've helped to plan and Brad since uh, you and I work together on brand strategy how about the the brand strategy track perhaps what you're most looking forward to there or, or you think will be beneficial for folks attending I think this is a good example of all the tracks and we, we do uh, a lot of work Rob as you mentioned uh, reading and analyzing every entry that's submitted to present I think for brand we had 80 or 90 for, for eight slots. And Tony, I think you're, yours had even more this year for the first time in the digital. Yeah, we beat you out this year. We've had it back and forth between brand and digital. Yeah. <laughs> usually the most, uh, received the most submissions. Um, but, you know, we focus really hard on making sure we have a balance of publics and privates, big universities and small colleges. Uh, this year, we really wanted to make sure in the branding category that we do have a couple strong case studies because those are always very popular. Kind of the beginning to end, here's how we got here, here's some takeaways. But also focused to make sure we had a lot of variety as far as other marketing and branding focused areas. Uh, Sweetbriar, Melissa Richards, uh, she is, is a thought leader in higher education. She's gonna have a great presentation on how a in-depth marketing effort, which included, included a brand uh, platform refresh, really helped turn that college around. It was almost ready to close in 2015. And the marketing efforts and the branding efforts really went a long way to turning that business model around and getting it back on the path to success. Villanova, uh, I think, is going to have a very interesting presentation about how to improve your 30-second spots, some things that they've done to really elevate faculty and staff as brand ambassadors and talk about the impact of the institution. Uh, that I always think of, I don't know if you guys remember when Monsters University came out a few years ago. They did such an amazing parody on higher education. I, I looked it up this morning. You can find it on Imagine You at MU. But they did a 30-second spot that looks like every other 30-second spot of yeah. just about every institution yeah. in America. So. <laughs> I, I think this is some needed uh, content that's going to help us think about how we do these a little bit, a little bit differently. We've got one from, from Mount St. Mary's that's going to talk about the potholes in branding. So kind of a, a different way to look at the branding process based on real examples from a lot of universities. Here are seven things that you're going into this process that you should avoid. So a lot of variety, a couple case studies in there as well. Uh, some really creative approaches to marketing and branding that we think will help a lot of attendees elevate the, the impact of the work on their campuses. Terrific. And one of the things I'm looking forward to in, in hearing some of these sessions, uh, so many institutions, the majority of institutions by now have gone through a, a disciplined or, or process of some sort for brand strategy. And how they're building on that you know what's what's next how are they evolving their brand or how are they extending their brand and of course uh, the work that you've done as it relates to your campaign at, at nc state is is one example of that so in terms of what's next after you go through the brand strategy process you know you're really just beginning in terms of implementation and bringing the brand to life in so many different ways so i think that's that's going to be an increasingly interesting element this year I couldn't agree more i think we've got a lot of great next steps uh, 
programmed into to this year's conference. And Tony, how about the digital strategy track? Yeah, I'll actually pick up on a note that you just mentioned there, uh, Rob. Is is the um, I'd kind of frame it in the light of of a, a, a kind of advancement in the level of sophistication of the topics that we talk about, right? So, um, if you look at the digital track, um, you know, the years past we had a bit of um, how to how to build a website, you know, one on one case study type of things. A lot of really basic stuff, digital. Um, Digital marketing 101, best practices, these types of things. Um, the past few years, we've uh, focused on making sure that we're covering enough ground. So that I think the biggest challenge with the digital track, and um, myself and um, uh, you know, the Seth O'Dell from National University as well, were kind of brought onto the committee at the time. We were told to up the digital game a little bit. Um, so you know, I was I was honored to to be asked to help with that. My first reaction was, you know, we even need a digital track. Everything's digital, <laughs> you know. It's such a broad term. Um, but so, you know, we took a look at what we wanted to cover, and um, uh, the past few years, we focused on trying to do that, making sure that we're intentionally covering ground that may have not been covered in the past, um, or at least kind of working our way toward that. So, um, we've got you know presentations and everything from web um, to digital marketing to analytics, social media marketing automation, mobile marketing, SEO, paid advertising, content strategy, governance, all these types of things that, that fly under that big realm of digital. And, um, you know, with eight tracks, eight, eight, only eight sessions, sorry, to pick from, it's really kind of difficult. It's impossible to cover all those bases. So, you know, what we do is we take a look at the issues that we see people struggling with out there. Um, we, you know, be, being a, a consultant myself here, we, we get a broad range of um, perspectives from different schools across the country. So we bring that to bear. Um, and we also look at what people are submitting on. You start to see these patterns every year. Um, there are certain hot topics that people submit on. So uh, as I mentioned before, you know, a few years back, you may have seen sessions about content management choices on a website or process or best practices around building a website. But at this point in time, you know, most institutions have gone through that a number of times and have ironed out those wrinkles, probably that in the house maybe. Um, so, you know, we've intentionally been able to cut back on those types of things and have moved on to things like social media strategy and content creation, governance, and people um, dive into, into analytics, things like that, content personalization on websites. We have a session on that this year. Um, these are things that a lot of them are being done well outside of higher ed, um, but they're just kind of scratching the tip of the iceberg in a number of, of places in higher ed. So um, people have a lot of curiosity about those and want to know more and more, and they're coming with a lot more experience. And we're able to pick um, to choose sessions that that do a little bit more of, of a deep dive uh, into that. So so balancing out, you know, we don't want to lose the best practices. We don't want to lose the basics. This is a broad audience that comes. There's over a thousand attendees, I believe, every year. I think we had 1,200 last year, maybe. Um, right. We've got to look, that's the other challenge, looking at covering the gamut. You know, Brad mentioned large schools, small schools, public, private. You've got to look at newbies, people who are just kind of starting on this stuff, and really deep um, uh, people with, with a deep level of, of experience. So, um, we're getting into some things this year about um, taking those best practices and then looking at things, for example, with digital marketing. Um, you do a little bit of a how-to, but then, you know, which channels perform best for different audiences. 
Um, how can you how can you complement your paid media with a strong SEO strategy? You know, if you don't have a big budget to go out there and buy all the media you want, how do you balance those things out? Um, how do you tailor your messaging at different stages of the funnel digitally? You know, you know where they are in the funnel. So how do you start tailoring your messaging to, to your audience that way? So we've got some really great sessions, as I mentioned. There's one about mobile micro moments that I'm excited to see. Um, we've got the e-expectations report that speaks to using digital assets to move uh, prospective students through the funnel. Um, and there's one I'm really interested in seeing. We kind of, kind of took, a, um, took a shot at this one. We've got the MIT's um, Artificial Intelligence Lab coming in, and they're going to talk about uh, how they've been approaching their social media strategy. So some, some really nice things and, and hopefully a good balance of balance across the track. Wow, really good stuff. And I think after hearing both of you, you've just presented the, the number one challenge for attendees at AMA Higher Ed is figuring out which sessions to go to. There's so right. much to choose from and so much outstanding content. So hopefully your people are bringing colleagues so they can they can divide and conquer. Yeah. That's a great and, and so I also want to get your, your perspective and, and thoughts on the keynotes because we've got some major players represented in terms of organizations from federal government to Cantar and Facebook, Washington Post. So your thoughts and, and maybe the, the keynote personally you're most excited about, Tony. Uh, we were just talking about this offline a minute ago and um, had a call with uh, Jenny Garrett from Facebook. Um, so as I think, you know, once you say the word Facebook, everyone starts to think of security issues and <laughs> and fake news and, and politics and everything else out there. But um, I'm really excited to have Jenny. We, we had a call with her, really smart cookie, um, knows her stuff, um, really on it. And I think they're going to add a lot of insight and bring a lot of insight, add some valuable stuff for that. Um, you know, she was they were kind of looking for guidance on what they should should speak to regarding this audience. Um, and, you know, my, my response was that, look, you know, you guys have an incredible amount of data on many of the people we're trying to, to reach out there. Um, so, you know, it's only only rivaled by maybe Google, you know, and they're right up there with them. So wouldn't it be great to put that data to good use um, by, by reaching to those people who are looking for a great education um, and helping them make good decisions about that? So, um, you know, I hope the audience won't get too caught up on the, the whole fake news security thing. <laughs> type of thing. I'm personally frustrated with it. I've been hacked. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of good stuff that they're going to bring. And I'm, I'm hoping they'll be able to focus on the marketing insights they have and uh, help us all leverage their data. And work. Yeah, just a, just a few substantive issues there that, that you touched on. So that might be worth the price of admission alone uh, with, with that particular keynote. And, and Brad, which of these, from your perspective, gets you uh, most pumped? You know, I think we've, uh, I'm really pleased with, with the lineup this year of, of keynotes. I think we've got a great balance of folks that can talk about diff different issues. Arnie Duncan's obviously going to be interesting. Anybody who's served as the U.S. Secretary of Education and, and, and has that level of uh, access and experience, be interesting to see what insights he has on higher education policy and, and where we're at today. Yeah. Uh, I think Wayne Connell from the Washington Post, when you really look at, at, at what he's helped lead that organization through, making a organizational change from an extremely entirely print heavy organization to digital with the younger workforce. I think a lot of us in higher education are kind of going through some of that right now too. So I think there'll be some good insights. 
I'm I'm looking forward to Kate Turkey and Kintar uh, consultant. I I enjoy those trend kind of discussions. Uh, she's going to talk about the centennials, the Generation Zs. You know, now that we've kindly kind of figured out how to communicate with and and work with millennials, well, now we've got a different group coming on, and, and they're more used to disruptive technologies. They have different needs. We're going to have to learn how to do things all over again. And, and I think that's one of the fun parts about what we do yeah. in higher education is we've got to cover it again. I mean, the kids who are coming in now, they learn and communicate entirely differently than we did growing up. We learned entirely on a different basis than our parents did, and we're communicating with all those folks. So I think it, it'll be exciting to have some more insights about the next generation and start thinking about how we're going to have to change our practices to be relevant to to the Generation Z kids. So I, I think it's going to be a great lineup. Yeah. yeah, it sure it sure is. And so we've covered some of the tracks, we've covered keynotes, and I also want to mention the pre-conference because there's some excellent sessions as part of the, the pre-conference agenda, including Tony, you've got a couple of your Vision Point colleagues who are going to lead a session on digital marketing. So what might attendees get out of that longer session and, and more intensive session with, with your team? Yeah, well, we're hoping a lot of value. We hope they get a lot of value. We've actually got um, two of the best in the industry, Diane Keene, our own president and CEO, uh, who's fabulous. And, um, and Josh Dotson, who's, who's been on this, and he's kind of a, a well-known guru in the industry in terms of digital marketing and analytics and SEO and everything else that he does. Um, so they'll be, they'll be taking uh, attendees through a four-hour workshop on, on uh, digital marketing. And it focuses, of course, on some of the basics, as I mentioned before, everything from understanding your strengths and weaknesses, doing a little bit of SWOT analysis for the, for the attendees. You'll get to work on your own institution. Um, understanding your audiences and your goals, of course, and, and all that, finding the right channels that work best for different audiences, as I mentioned before, um, and measuring performance of, of your campaigns. And, um, you know, we, we talk a lot, we see a lot of clients kind of struggle with, um, you know, where, where I spend my money, how do I distribute my, my dollars, where do we spend our time? Um, not everyone has these huge budgets to, to kind of blast everywhere, so being strategic about that's really important. Diane and Josh will help uh, attendees understand how to do that panels. Um, you know, anything from, from the, the simple things that sometimes people may not even think about, for example, LinkedIn, um, you know, has a large population of business focused individuals with mostly with bachelor's degrees. Right. So so that makes for a great channel for, you know, a grad business program, for example, while it might not be the best channel to promote, um, you know, an undergrad biology certificate, or something like that. So. We'll be focusing a lot on um, channel selection and the steps for picking the right channels. Um, and we'll also talk about um, identifying those right messages. You know, it's something we preach here is really understanding the mindset. Um, we like to say, you know, you, you, you can't ask someone, we could, but you shouldn't ask someone to marry you on the first date. <laughs> um, that won't go well. You know, there's a courting process that goes with it and you shouldn't ask someone to apply on your first touch either necessarily. So. Um, you know, how do you identify where your, your prospects are in the funnel and how do you shift your messaging within brand, of course, um, to, to hit on those, those levels. And then kind of summing that up with things, as I mentioned, for some of the other, other digital stuff, um, you know, dealing with budget, where to allocate budget, how to work strategically, how to balance out things like SEO and tools. And um, so there'll be a lot going on, a lot to cover in a four hour period. 
Um, we've got some helpful handouts and people walk away with uh, the ability to, to do this stuff on their own. That's our, our goal is to send people home with something that they can put to use immediately. Uh, so we got a number of templates and things like that. And it'll be a working session. So um, hopefully they'll, they'll have some fun. Great, great, thanks. And Brad, I think your your presentation with your colleague from NC State, you may have the best title from Miranda Billions uh, on the agenda. And so you've touched a little bit about your journey with the, the brand and brand platform at NC State. And so with this presentation, getting into implications and how that has put you in a position of influence and the institution in a good position for its fundraising campaign, give us a, a sense of what that will entail. So it really does build on the the, the brand work that we did. And we start with a quick synopsis of here's here's the process we took, hitting some real key points, the importance of research uh, in a decentralized organization, which a lot of our institutions are, the importance of, of community buy-in and collaboration and taking the time needed to build that strong brand platform. So when you roll it out, you have a, a tremendous amount of momentum and a lot of buy-in to really get it off the ground. And then we'll talk about the process uh, that we went through about a year after that we launched the public phase of our largest ever fundraising campaign 1.6 billion dollars and how that process led us back to the brand a lot of institutions i think you see big capital campaigns come out and the fundraisers and the communicators don't talk to each other very often and you'll see uh, campaign identities that may be at best a, a, a sub-brand or have a slightly different identity than the core brand of the institution. Uh, we'll talk about the process, the, the ups and the downs, the things that we learned along the way, but how it really brought together both of those sides of the house, the communicators, the fundraisers around the planning process, and how the research really took us back to the core brand. So at the end of the day, when we launched this campaign, it is really the next extension of the brand, the next expression of the brand. So everything we're doing to raise awareness for the campaign and raise money helps us elevate the brand and everything that we do to elevate the brand, bring some attention to the campaign. And we think we really kind of hit a sweet spot there. We'll talk through uh, the process of that and have some takeaways that hopefully people can use at any size of an institution. Excellent. And I would like to return to a point, Tony, you made, which was a great one about the all all types of positions and, and uh, obviously institutions that are represented, but senior level, mid-level, you get a lot of different BP level uh, attendees in terms of where they are within a, within a marketing organization. So a wide variety, including first time attendees. And there are always uh, some who will be heading to AMA for the first time in, in their career. So I want to ask if, if you would have any specific tips or pieces of advice for new, uh, newer attendees or first-time attendees in terms of making the most of their conference experience at AMA Higher Ed. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I still remember the first time I went years ago and my initial reaction is the same reaction I have to this day when I go or at the end of the day, it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to be done and seen. And, and um, I always tell first timers to, to just plan ahead in terms of which sessions they wanna see, download the agenda, um, try to plan out your time. Rob, as you mentioned before, if you have colleagues going, um, we typically do this too, is have certain people cover certain topics and then we get together at the end of the day and discuss them um, and, and look into the types of people you want to meet. I mean, it's a wonderful networking opportunity. Um, 
one of the things I love to see the most is just kind of witness in the hallways, people getting together who have either never met before or similar types of institutions, and they're all sharing their, their challenges, right? And they're hopefully coming up with solutions together. Um, I always joke that there's, there's a big part of this that's very much like a therapy session, you know? Um, a lot of kind of back and forth and sharing of ideas and, and um, allowing people to feel like, hey, we're not alone in this, you know? And I think people come back quite a bit for that. That's that's what I've I've heard. Um, but there's there's really something for everyone, you know, the, from the pre-con intensives that you mentioned, um, where you can get a, a deep dive into something. To to um, we've got a, a round round tables as well, where you can kind of get together and talk about certain subjects. Um, to the heart of the conference, which is the sessions that cover all those different tracks, um, and even a CMO salon, uh, um, which uh, is a an opportunity for uh, CMOs to get together and share. Um, share their stories in a more intimate environment. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I scale extreme on the introvert side every time we do a Myers-Briggs thing. <laughs> um, so those large networking events are really challenging for me, you know, go into one of those big rooms and feel like you're, you know, surrounded by a thousand people. Um, but I, I've also found over the years that people are really friendly, you know, I think they're, they're very collegiate. It's a great crowd. They put any, <laughs> competitiveness aside, you know, joke about football teams and the like, of course, but, um, but really good people tend to open up. So, you know, if you're like me in that way, I'd say, you know, bring your, in, your issues and have some conversation starters ready and, and just go ahead and take a chance and reach out to someone at one of the little, the mixers that we have there. I think it's a, a really neat opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a great, great piece of advice. And we should definitely take the take advantage of that that opportunity. So much knowledge in the room, and and Brad, anything that, that you would add to that? I, I think Tony's hit the high points. I just find a way to get involved. I, I do think uh, take a look at those pre-conference sessions. There's some really great opportunities, not only to get a deep dive, but you spend four hours with 40 or 50 people. And my experience has been through some of the activities because they're all very interactive. You're going to meet a lot of people at that session that you'll continue to see throughout the conference. Uh, the roundtables Tony mentioned are a great way to connect with other people. The networking sessions and the, the those of us on the planning committee, usually at all the keynotes, we're at a table up front. Come on up and introduce yourselves. We'd love to meet you if you have any questions. Uh, we can help introduce you to people who might have like interests at other institutions and find a way to make those connections because it's those relationships that I think really will play out well beyond the conference. You'll, you'll get so much, as Tony said, at the conference. You'll walk back with pages of notes that you can be ready to apply. But it's those relationships when you can call peers across the nation and say, hey, have you ever dealt with this? And what do you think about this? That's a real value of, of this conference. And like Tony said, people, we all love higher education. We set the competition aside, and it's a it's a place where everybody wants everybody to succeed. So engage in that where you can. Yeah, great point, Brad, about the um, um, interacting with the, the committee members. You know, I, I remember years ago, it felt like that was a group of people who were almost untouchable. Not because they were doing anything, but you know, it's that's just kind of the um, the vibe I probably gave it. And, and um, please, yeah, please, we're usually kind of seated up front. Um, what makes this conference great is the people who attend it and the submissions that come in. Um, you know, for us, it's a, a beautiful, selfish uh, benefit to get to see all the stuff that's going on around the country and beyond uh, in reading these submissions. But um, it would be nothing without the suggestions of people um, that are really taken to heart. Um, I have to give the, the committee a ton of credit for that and the co-chairs 
um, whenever we get some some feedback from people who come up and say, hey, look, you know, was not happy about this or thought you could have done this better or would love to see this in the future, you know, notes start to get written down and, and that's brought up immediately. So please, please do do that. Wow, I think okay. I think I'm ready to get on a plane and and let's <laughs> let's do this conference. So I, I actually was going to to mention that there's time still to register for the conference. And so to wrap up, I was going to see if for for those who may be on the fence about attending and ask uh, you guys to give a, a final pitch or a reason someone should attend. But wow, you've you've nailed it. I think you've covered uh, just about everything and. Uh, gotten everyone excited about attending and uh, looking forward to this this annual opportunity to be with higher ed marketing colleagues. So I will ask though if there's anything else that we that we missed or didn't cover anything else that either of you would like to add in terms of uh, what we'll see here in a few weeks at AMA Higher Ed. Um, I'm at a loss. If we didn't do it in the past 37 minutes, I think <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. It really is. I think it's a rewarding experience. I think it'll be well worth well worth the time and financial investment, and definitely definitely something that uh, most people love to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both, Tony and Brad. Appreciate you taking some time to to talk about the conference and and get everyone ready. So thanks again, and, and can't wait to see both of you in Orlando come uh, November fourth. Same here, Rob. Thank you very much. Rob, we'll see you soon. Great. So thank you to again. Tony Pellucci and Brad Bolander, who are serving on the AMA Higher Ed Conference Committee. As always, a big thank you to M. Stoner for making Higher Ed Live possible each and every episode. And we'll look forward to seeing everyone at AMA next month. I'm Rob Zinkin. Thanks again for tuning in to Marketing Live on the Higher Ed Live Network.